the pride of Limerick, a young man named Sean Sheehan. The MMA media, Don Graham McDonald. The severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot, and I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Episode 112 of the Severe May podcast is here. My name is Sean Sheehan. Like every week, I'm with the Shinsuke Nakamura of Irish MMA media, Graham McDonald. And we're here for another week of the best MMA chat you'll get anywhere between someone in Limerick and someone in Dublin. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about <laughs> UFC 210. We're going to and weight gate and towel gate and we're going to talk about the fight and we're going to talk about rumble return and then we're going to talk about cote return and we're going to talk about weidman and down the opponent gate and knee to the head gate and everything else that happened in ufc 210 then we're going to look ahead to the ufc on fox card and a couple more things as well as answering your questions at the end of the show graham how are you? Another another weekend. Someone tweeted us during the week there and said um, they like our uh, our little back and forth between about Liverpool and Man United at the start of each podcast. So let me start with this. How did you feel about the man you hate so much, Mike Dean, giving Liverpool three points and basically giving them the top four at the weekend? When when he gave a clearly offside goal and he didn't give a penalty first off. Well, you actually didn't watch the game, so you. I saw that. I saw it. I saw it. You missed all Mike Dean um, bringing the game into disrepute in the first half. And then nearly giving an offside goal. Minilay actually had to had to make a couple of good saves, and he actually did it for the first time in five years, which was uh, very surprising. But I suppose even a broken clock is right is right twice a day. How is Minilay making saves? Mike Dean making mistakes. Broke, broken clock. That's all I want to know. <laughs> Man, Mike go. Dean was see, a see. again. Yeah, see, yeah, he was a disgrace. I agree by giving Liverpool the top four. Tried to give them an offside goal, blocked uh, Coutinho off, uh, playing defence for Stoke. It was, it was a disgrace. Who's your favourite referee now, Mike Dean or Mike Lalliver? Like they've give, both given you games and taken away games from Man United over the last couple of weeks. You're delusional. Who, 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 I know they've scored seven offside goals in eight games at one stage this season, oh, dragging them, kicking and screaming into the Champions League. Fake race. news. That's kicking fake and news. screaming. That is That's real news. news. One of them was the most Man United goal ever. It was actually a handball offside yeah. and in added on time, over added on time, also known as Fergie time. That was a great goal. So I don't know what you're talking about. It's been a ridiculous goal. amount of look for Man United this season. That, what are you? Was. No, no way. Like, I f- Rojo should have had four red cards. Uh, <laughs> four red like, cards. ridiculous amount of stuff going on. Uh, what about- Ridic- he's nearly killed a few people. They're lucky to be alive. They're lucky to be alive. Yeah, there's people. The person is talking about people nearly dying from football. So, uh, Rojo should have, should have fucking mass carnage. <laughs> <laughs> the first, the first correct decision they've given to Man United the weekend is sending off that dude from Sunderland. Like, no consistency. They wouldn't send off a Man United man in a million years for that tackle. Raw wasn't trying to hurt someone. Like Raw was fair, fair knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. He wouldn't really do it to anyone. It's true. It's true. Unlike Liverpool, dirty, scum. dirty, pure another scum. Anyway, He's but dirty you know, Ferguson's son allegedly. <laughs> oh, you know BBC Panorama, check it out. <laughs> Do you know what's weird? Like Liverpool have had, according to Liverpool BBC Panorama, Liverpool have had a great season apart from that one month, right? And United have been terrible, like drawn like five or six games they should have won. Yes, yeah, dragged into it by the refs. I know it's ridiculous. Six, point behind, six points behind with two games in hand. That's so weird. Like it's amazing. Oh, like Liverpool like kind of seven, seven at the top of where they can be. Yeah. But Man United are just like in the first year of this project. Just so the keep... power of the referees and the cheating going on. Exactly, yeah, to bring Liverpool up to, to the <laughs> There was a few Mike Dean decisions at UFC two ten, so let's uh let's get into that. 
quite they're a few error decisions, I think, but they were even worse than Mike Dean's <laughs> decisions. Bloody hell. Mike Dean ordered that uh, Gegard Monsassi knee as a goal to Liverpool. That's all I'll say about it. But yeah, uh, let's get into where to start. Ball was declared the winner. <laughs> where to start the UFC 210. Uh, I suppose we'll start uh, before it at the win and the, we'll just talk about the main event. Go on, give us your take. T- toll get, weight get, all of this. What What did you uh, think about it? If, if you didn't hear, exp- people didn't hear, explain what happened. Basically, uh, Daniel Cormier came uh, only a few minutes before the, the window closed for weighing in, um, and he weighed in uh, 1.2 pounds over. And uh, he just basically uh, came back with the tail, uh, leant on the tail with two hands in order to take a bit of weight off the scale and then uh, pretended like he made weight. And the commission were too dumb to even notice. Yeah, <laughs> it was a bit weird, wasn't it? Like, there was, there's a couple of different things floating around here. Cormier lost 1.2 pounds in like 25 seconds. And then Rumble came out and weighed in and he was 1.2 pounds under. So there was a bit like, oh, did they switch the scale or something? And then Cormier clearly leaned on the on the towel. I think most people saw that and noticed it at the time. So it's six to one, half a dozen on the other. Are you, like, I think I'm kind of halfway between the camps of, he clearly cheated and it shouldn't have been allowed. And I'm kind of glad he did it and got away with it. And it's not cheating if you get away with it. Kind of, I, I, I don't think, know where uh, I, I think it was unfair on Rumble because he actually had to make the weight. And I think um, the commissioner said that Daniel Cormier would have had two errors to, to reweigh uh, yeah. as long as he had a, as long as he actually stood on the scale, which he did. So he should have been made to um, cut that 1.2 pounds or they should have reweighed him without him leaning on anything like the tail. You can't be leaning on. So it's like Homer Simpson and with his belly on the in the Simpsons. Like, you can't just lean something. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I I tend to agree. That's a good point there. It should have made him weigh in. Like it's. I mean, get into a lot of rules and stuff later on. We talk about Weidman and Musasi and stuff like that. But like the commissions are so disjointed and have so many different rules and everything that it's, it's just insane. Like even if Cormier say he had missed weight. Like the rules are very unclear about whether Johnson would still have been able to win the title or not. I looked up the rule book, and there's one part of it says that the champion has to for a championship fight, the champion has to make the weight, and then another another rule says uh, the champion or a challenger can win the title if he made weight and someone else didn't. So like they're they're kind of rules that say the exact opposite of each other. So I, I'm not sure which one is is correct, and I've asked people and I, no one seems to know the answer. So. You know, it's just so weird. Like, and uh, with the um, Pearl Gonzalez thing as well, with her breast implants, the commission said, "Oh, that's in the rules," and then it said, "No, it's a boxing rule." So where, like, where do you go with with these commissions? What, just it's it's pure insanity and stuff. But I suppose we yeah. we get into well, your man, the commissioner, uh, right after the weigh-in with the tailgate, he uh, did an interview and he tried to deny that Daniel Cormier had lent on the tail until I think it was Brett Brett Okamoto said, "I have the video," and then he reluctantly admitted that he might have leaned on the tail, but he in, in no way seemed to know what the hell was going on and know his own rules or anything like that. Yeah, like, I think the biggest issue here is, like, everyone wanted the fight to go on, obviously. we want, Everyone wanted them to win, but, you know, you can't you can't let this happen. You just, the rules are there for a reason. You're making it, like, we, we can talk about wins if you want. Like, I think weight cutting should totally be eradicated. Like, we were going to talk about this for the last few weeks, and I suppose now is the time. What, uh, like... I think it's such a stupid thing. And look at look at Daniel Cormier after that. Look how bad he looked. He looked terrible. Like he looked like death. Even 
you know, lots of other people. Look at Conor McGregor making 145. You know, other people all down through the years. Just get rid of it. I, I think there's, and I was talking to you about this during the week, like something radical needs to be done. And this whole, oh, you've 10% the next day and all this shit, it's not going to work. You're still going to have people um, cutting weight. You're still going to have people... You know, if Daniel Cormier had to make ten only be ten percent over, he's not going to put on enough water over the next couple of you know over the next day after the weigh-in. That's all that's going to happen. You're going to make it more unhealthy, and people are going to yeah. do that. Even if you think you're going to force people up a weight class, you're not. It's not going to work. Like what I think should be done is you you class people, you get like a board of people who know you get like. An MMA matchmaker, you get an ex-fighter, you get like a dietitian, a nutritionist or whatever, and you put people into the divisions. You just say, look, Demetrius Johnson is a 125er, you name 20 other 125ers and say that's their division and they don't have to weigh in. They just fight and you have the fights without any weigh in. Are you weigh them in and you see what weight they are before the fight and you do that like three or four fights in a row and if they're someone at 125 is weighing in at like 155 for every fight or does it two fights in a row or something you make them move up you force them so you know so people aren't cutting down weight like not insane like that or anything not not so like you have to make a weight or anything just i uh like i know there's probably flaws with that as well but it is it better than what we have at the moment i think what we have at the moment is destructive for mma and i think it's doing no one any favors yeah the weight cuts some of the weight cuts are really really bad like some of the guys <clears throat> They're like uh, fighters in the prime, athletes in the prime of their lives, and you see them when they're trying to weigh in after all the weight cutting, they can barely move, and they're just just out of it and just disorientated and just completely dehydrated. It's really dehydrated, and it's it's it like affects their kidneys, and it's it's terrible. The, uh, your your way, like there's going to be loads of problems with that as well. I'd say as well, uh, trying to put four hundred, five hundred people into the right categories and hoping that guys won't like lose a bit of weight before their their checkup or whatever but it, it it's definitely um something that could be explored like uh it's probably not perfect it probably uh we're probably missing some some big some big problems with it but uh yeah um i don't see it happening anytime soon it's gonna be very hard to it's gonna be very hard to implement this um it's gonna be hard to make yeah it's going to be hard it's going to be a hard hard thing to do and to do right but it's going to have teething problems but it, it's it's definitely something that needs to be looked at uh fixing fixing the weight cut uh process at the moment and as you say the 10 percent thing even if you have a small weight cut uh and you're you're a you're a light guy um one of the lighter division fighters you're, you're probably putting on 10 percent anyway even if you're one of the guys who isn't cutting to the point of severe dehydration uh, you're just dieting down and doing a little bit of a sauna or a little bit of a uh, salt bath. So I don't think that 10% thing is going to work, but um, maybe that could be adjusted to to 20% or it's just the guys that maybe it's the, guy, they're, they're the guys that are putting on, that are weighing in 185 pounds and then fighting at 225 pounds that they could maybe sort them guys out first. And that would be a good step. But uh, it's definitely going to be a long process, I'd say, if, if they are to change the, the whole weigh-in, weight-cutting process. Guys will will cheat, will, will find a way to, to get an advantage, as they always do, I'd say. Not cheat, but, like, get around the... Get around... Well, it will be cheating if they made it a, a rule, so, yeah. People will find a way. Yeah, I agree. I just think something radical needs to be done, and I think... Like, I don't think there should be any problem with breaking something up that's clearly not working and it's clearly bad, you know. So I, I think something radical needs to be done. But I suppose... It should be teams. Teams, teams should be, like, making sure their guys aren't cutting too much. 
um like too often like if, if you have a couple of bad weight cuts in a row where it's really difficult to make the, the way you should move up and your team should move you up or you should lose some some muscle to make it much easier to make that weight it shouldn't be just guys killing themselves every time to make weight like yeah we know um, how guys do it be responsible though. We know why guys do it. They do it to get the advantage, like to be the bigger guy at the weight or to be the stronger guy at the weight. We know why they do Sometimes it. Sometimes the UFC puts them in that division as well. Like I've heard of guys who have moved to, to higher yeah. divisions and, and they've been taken into the UFC and asked to go down a division and they've reluctantly done so. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, like my idea, I know it probably has a lot of flaws and there's definitely ways of tweaking it. But I think at the moment what we have is something that's truly hugely flawed and something that's destructive to the fighter's health mm-hmm. and to the game of MMA itself. But look, I suppose... Yeah, it's uh, sad to say, but it'd probably take a high-profile death or serious, serious problem in order for it to be uh, addressed properly. Yeah, I agree. I, I suppose we'll talk, about that, uh, we'll talk about that a lot over the, the coming weeks and months, I suppose, again, because it's a problem that doesn't seem to be going away. So let's get to the to the main event. And uh, I suppose let me, I'll talk about this first. And I think everyone's reaction after this fight was, what was Anthony Johnson doing? Did Like, what what happened with Anthony Johnson? He came out, it was after, and we'll talk about the Musashi and Weidman fight later on, but the way that fight ended, you know, controversially, there was kind of a... His walkout was weird, and he had a kind of weird look on his face, and I think that was the first thing. Then he, he retired afterwards, which we'll, we'll talk about later on, but there was, there was just a weirdness, and the way he came out, he came out, like he landed a couple of strikes. See, I thought he actually started very well in the first 30 seconds or so. He threw a couple of those oblique kicks to the body and to the legs of Carmius, which was kind of stopping him from going in and going low for takedowns and wasn't giving him an opportunity to catch his leg from the kicks, really, because he was snapping him back pretty quickly. But then he started he started wrestling. Carmius landed one shot on him, and there was... Like, you could you could understand if he was, like, badly hurt and then he went to wrestle because he was hurt. But he seemed okay. Like, he, he threw two or three shots after that. Uh, and he seemed all right. And then he just he just went wrestling with Cormier. And, you know, he did okay, I suppose, in the wrestling. But when you're Anthony Johnson, what you are, you're a knockout artist. You're a one-hitter, quitter. Like, that's what you go in there to do. That's your game. And he just didn't, didn't do that. He went in there, wrestled. And then Cormier started to dominate the wrestling, you know, over the three, four minutes of that round and then into the second round as well. Like, by the time he started doing it and by the time Cormier got a hold of him and started getting that front headlock and the underhook against the cage, I just think it was all over at that stage. It took his, it took that that little bit of gas out of his tank that he needs to land those huge early shots to get the knockout. I thought it was just horrific. Yeah, his his fight IQ in this one was just even for Anthony Johnson, it was, it was really bad. Um, his fight, he, he really, he, I thought he threw away the first fight with Daniel Cormier, but he made sure he threw away this this one. I think this was even worse. He he was doing well. He was landing good shots, including a nice head kick as Daniel Cormier kind of got caught static, um, with his head with his head down to the side, and then he pushed him against the cage, trying to take him down. It was just it was madness. Um. Especially for a guy who needs his explosiveness and is known to get tired, and and especially after losing via grappling to Daniel Cormier the last time, after having success on the feet, it just made no sense. It, it was just, it was just an awful, awful. I, 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 I can't think that that was the game plan. That couldn't have been the game plan. It must have just been complete panic mode for some reason. Even though he was winning, the, uh, I thought he won the first round with his. He probably got outlanded, but he landed the bigger shots. Um. 
but he, even in that round, he he did his best to throw it away. And uh, I was just, it, it was strange to watch, as you say. It was, I, I think Daniel Cormier was shocked. I think everybody was shocked. Like, um, it was very strange. It was very strange. Maybe because he had the retirement in his head, he was just his half arsed. He, I, I don't know. It was just so strange. He just had the worst get, worst fight IQ ever in that fight. The only thing I can think of, and I like, I tried to think why he would do that. And this is what I come up with. Looking back at the first fight, Daniel Cormier, like he beat him, he broke him, you know, he beat him as a, he not, didn't just beat him as a fight, he beat him as a person, he took away his, you know, he took the spirit out of him, everything, and he made him quit like he said he was going to do. And the only thing I can think of was, Johnson was like, he's not going to make me quit again, I'm going to make him quit this time, and this is what I need to do, you know, and that's so weird, like, because... <laughs> You, you knock him out and he, you know, if he's, if he's sparked out in the ground, he's quit. Like that's, that's over. But he, I don't know. He, it, that seemed to be looking back at the fight again. That looked to me like the mindset that he had, that he wanted to make Carmia quit. He was going to make this a grueling fight. And he thought he put in the proper preparation. He thought his wrestling was on point. He thought all the work he'd done with Neil Manson was going to make him someone who could go in there and compete you know, beat Carmier where he's best. Like other people, like John Jones does a lot in his fights, not just against Carmier, but against different people as well. That's the only thing I can really think of. And that backfired terribly, mm. and I think it was very yeah. foolhardy. I don't think that was, that was the game plan. It could have been, as you say, but uh, that that's just stupid if it was. And especially if, if you were planning to grapple, you'd, with Cormier, you'd expect over five rounds to end up on your back at some stage or end up in a bad position at some stage. And he didn't seem prepared at all. He didn't even defend the choke in the slightest. Didn't try to pull the arm, just put his arms out straight and just waited to tap. Um, just a terrible. He really blew the fight. Uh, it was his, it was, it was his fight to win again, I think. And he, and he blew it again. Um, Maybe it was just a big moment got to him. Um, mm-hmm. it, he he seemed to just choke. <laughs> he bottled it. Yeah, I agree. I I do think I think it was the biggest choke job in the history of the UFC. To be honest, like there <laughs> was just what he could have been thinking, but I don't even think that's right. Like that, that's just a possibility. But the the probability is that he did choke. And that he go, went out and he yeah. couldn't land those shots. He is a wrestler underneath it all. Like he has yeah. been a wrestler, so he, maybe he panicked and went back to his wrestling roots. But I'm sure his corner must have been shouting for him to break. He had a they few were. opportunities. He had a few opportunities to break where where he had Cormier up against the cage, and there was no real underhooks or overhooks. It was just it was just a kind of a stalemate. And he could have broke and strike and struck, but he didn't. Um, it was very strange, and even when he he threw a head kick, like while Daniel Cormier was was right in beside him, he he's just picking the wrong shot, picking the with everything he did was not everything he did because he did land some nice stuff early on with some nice oblique kicks and a head kick and stuff, but a lot of his shot selection was terrible, and he uh, he just he seemed to panic. Yeah, it was a, it was kind of a big brother, little brother situation, I think, where he just he maybe he's too much respect for Cormier, he just. Uh, from the very start like you you the belief wasn't there it just and he can do it like he, he has the, the power to knock him in out the in the pre-fight uh scrum he was talking about how uh he doesn't think he should be the favorite with the with the bookies yeah. and all this stuff it's just like why are you even saying this yeah it was just a really frustrating display like and then you're talking about you know i've always said i wanted to see him fight john jones that's kind of just gone away now because he'd do the same against john jones you know he's 
it's it's hard to say, but someone someone said that like most of his losses, I think what he's five losses or something like that, and four of them have been by a rear naked choke where he's got mounted and turned over and given up his neck or something. It's more even maybe. That's that's not the sign of a weakness in the game. That's the sign of you know just a huge flaw and a huge you know, someone that can be broken and someone that does quit. And it's amazing to say it for someone who's got... It's a bit like Sergio Garcia in, in the golf. You know, he's someone who's been there for years and years and years at the top level, but he still couldn't putt properly. And, uh, you know, he won at the weekend and he kind of... that He overcame those demons a little bit, even though he didn't really. But the same as Anthony Johnson, he's got to the very, very top of the sport at, like, the division where two of the top five pound-for-pound fighters in the world are. And he's up there with them yet he still has this fatal flaw, yet he still gives up. And it's just an amazing thing because he's such a talented, t- uh, you know, tough guy who can land that knockout blow and beat anyone on his day. If he could get his, his head right, he can beat Daniel Carmen. He could beat John Jones. But it just, that that mental aspect is huge in MMA, I think. Yeah, it definitely is. Like, John Jones has a tendency to, he, he likes to try and beat guys at their own game. So mm-hmm. if they're a striker, he'll try to strike them. If they're a wrestler, he'll try to wrestle, you know, all that kind of thing. Um, So maybe Jones would try to strike at Rumble, but you have to be a special kind of guy like Jones, special kind of fighter in order to do that. Like, somebody like Johnson can't do that. He needs to stick to his strengths and, and use his ridiculous power. And he just didn't, and it cost him again. And as you say, this isn't the first time he's had his back taken and and given up an easy rear naked choke. It, it seems to be a seems to be a problem that they've tried to address in this camp with bringing in guys to train with him, but he just can't can't do it. It seems. Yeah, it's like a bit like Melvin Gillard. Just Melvin yeah. Gillard used to always just he'd be winning on the feet and then he'd just get choked. Mm-hmm. I think we must give some credit as well to Daniel Carmia. Like he did go in there and and did what he needed. Yeah. For me, the best thing... Great assist from the towel, is it? <laughs> Great assist from the towel, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the best thing he did for me was to take down before the choke. He had a single leg on Johnson, and he brought him down with just the most beautiful kind of back heel inside trip. It was just brilliant. If you go back and watch it, the second round, just about the half point, halfway point to the second round, just before the choke, just an absolutely brilliant takedown it was one of those just little things if you kind of watch it in slow motion break it down it's just an absolutely phenomenal thing and you know he he had that fight handed to him no doubt about it but he still did well to go out there and and beat anthony johnson you know he could have made an easy night for johnson as well but he you know he didn't do that and um you know fair play to him before we get into the whole uh retirement stuff and all what Let's talk about Daniel Cormier a bit and the kind of the foray, the furore around him. And there's a lot of people talking about him, you know, getting, but he does get booed the odd time and stuff like that. And just him as kind of a personality and stuff. Like, there's no doubt about it. He's a very, very good fighter. And, you know, he had a relatively close fight with John Jones. I'd like to see him fight again. I think it'd be a good fight again. Although I think most people, and me included, would pick Jones. But I think there's this little thing about Daniel Cormier that he's kind of. He's kind of the second guy. He's a bit of the the, the Phil Neville syndrome. You know, he's kind of, <laughs> ah, yeah, oh, cool, yeah, he's that guy, yeah. You know, he's kind of, John Jones, is, you either hate him or you love him, you know, and you hate him in one aspect and you love him in another aspect, but you have an, everyone has an opinion about Jones, you know, John Jones, everyone, you know, everyone knows John Jones and knows him inside out, but Daniel Carmi is kind of the, He's a great fighter, and I think he's a a nice guy and stuff. But I don't know. He just and it's not his fault, but he just has that. He's just the second guy, isn't he? He's just he. 
I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, Even it's when he's a champion, thing. everybody knows that John Jones is really the best fighter in the division. And um, maybe some fans uh, t- think or see that uh, he has a persona and a kind of fakeness in his uh, in his um, TV personality. And yeah. people who remember him from before know that that's it's put on, or it's, a lot of it's put on, or they perceive it that way. And a lot of people didn't like John Jones at the start. A lot of people still don't, but even more people didn't like him at the start because he was pretending to be this person that he wasn't talking about, oh, God, this, Jesus, that, and all this bullshit, and nobody was buying it. And um, no, nobody thought that that was actually what he thought. Uh, so um, maybe maybe he just needs to be more real, Daniel Cormier. Yeah, and then people like will warm to him. And stop cheating as well. If you're hated by people and then you do the tail thing, they're not gonna that's not gonna help yeah he's playing the heel now a little bit which which is I, like i like it <laughs> i think a lot of people that like him like it but i think the people who are kind of on the fence are like ah you're trying too hard daniel you know it's another <laughs> it's, fake it's another fake persona yeah yeah like i think it's it's a kind of a pro wrestling thing I and mean, when you're doing that as we see in pro wrestling, if you're a pro wrestling fan, you have to make it believable because if people who try in pro wrestling, people hate him as well, you know, and it, 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 that's why Chael Sonnen was so good. Even though he was totally unbelievable, he used to say certain things <laughs> and he still does it. And I call it Sonnenology, as people might know, where people believe what he says. And he has a way of saying things where he, it's total lie and he knows it's a lie and people still believe yeah. him. You know, where's yeah. Daniel Garmer? You can just see through it straight away. Yeah, a lot of people don't like Chael because of it, because of that stick as well. But they, he'd even have a way of kind of roiling them up by just saying ridiculous things that just clearly aren't true. Yeah, and um, and some people like yeah, some people don't like Chael, but he, they care either way. They want to see him lose to Anderson Silva. They want to see him beat Anderson Silva in, in them fights, or they want to see him, you know, they want to see him against uh, Wanda Silva, um, because of the trash talk rather than the quality of the, the fight coming up. Like people I don't think people are expecting a high quality bout between Chelsea and Wandley Silva if it goes ahead. I think people are just more interested in all the all the shenanigans around it and all that. So Chelsea's kinda Chelsea's kinda unique in that way where it doesn't really matter. It never really mattered if he was winning fights or not. Yeah, like I think as well with with uh Cormier when you're John Jones, right, you're going to have a lot of fans because you're one of the best fighters to ever fight in MMA. And, you're, you know, you're going to have loads of fans. And those people are automatically going to be DC haters or whatever you want to call them. Like, that's, that's just a matter of fact. Like, if you're a huge McGregor fan, you're going to not like Diaz. You know, if you're if you're one of these just, you know, insane, you know, get a gorilla tattooed in your chest type of fans, you know, and whoever, Dominic Cruz fans with your IFAB or, you know, all, all the way through in any sport. And I think that's a little bit where it is like, you know, you'll always get, if you say something about John Jones, you'll always get someone tweeting you back or you, you, you're hearing comments or something. I actually, I actually think people do, McGregor fans, a lot of them do actually like Diaz because yeah, he's but, real. Because yeah, he's, that's yeah, true. It's maybe Aldo they don't like because he was a bit of a crybaby, oh, soap hands and even a baby would have knocked me out and all this stuff. Yeah, but that, that's, not the point. that's beside the point. Like, But I'm just saying, like usually, like if you're a Man United fan, you hate Liverpool or vice versa. You know that's kind of where it is. And if you're a John Jones fan, you're gonna not like Daniel Cormier. Like, is there many Daniel Cormier fans out there? Like, I'm I'm sure there is a few, but there's a lot of them. I I, I know there is, but like to the level of John, uh, John Jones, I like are, is the dislike that they'll have because they're John Jones fan is that more than the what 
Daniel Cormier's fans are bringing positivity. I think it more than likely yeah, is. Probably, and I think, it probably is, yeah. yeah. I think that's where it comes from more than anything. Like, I, I still think he's a good guy and I think he's funny and I, I like I like his... I know it's very fake, but I'm, I'm a kind of a pro wrestling mark and I like doing it as well. So I think it's a bit funny and I think... I don't think there's any harm in what he's doing, you know, and I think he's, he's a nice guy. I think he's a good fighter and, you know... It's it. It's definitely a level of ambivalence. I think a lot of people have. It's like, oh, this guy is here. Why is this guy here when we could have John Jones? I think that's it more than anything. Yeah, nobody wants to see them. The UFC trying to set up a Manoa versus Daniel Cormier no. bout, where yeah. where Daniel Cormier is pretending to shout stuff at him angrily. It's just like, come on, get out of here. I'm I'm actually perplexed at how where Jimmy Mano is. How did Jimmy Manoa get into the position where he is, where it looks like he's going to be the next? Because light heavyweight is terrible at the moment. I know, but still, he is Ovan Sempu and Corey Anderson as a two-fight win streak. Yeah, the OSP uh, knockout is huge, but usually uh, in in years gone by, the light heavyweight division was one of the best, and you definitely wouldn't be getting a getting a title shot or even in the talk of getting a title shot off uh, off those two wins. You know, people like Ryan Bader had a much bigger winning streak and never got a title shot. I think it's more uh, they could sell him as a big a big hitter and a striker and. They can kind of sell on the same way they sold Rumble. And uh, I think Dana White is uh, still pissed off with John Jones, still saying he doesn't want to put him in a main event because he can't trust him. But you just stick Jimmy Manoa against some guy on the undercard or on the the main card, ready to go in case anything happens to Daniel Cormier's weight or anything happens to John Jones's whatever, John Jones crashes into something or whatever he's going to do next. Yeah. Then you have Jimmy Manoa there ready to go. So... I know where we switching the main event for advertising and stuff is a bit is a bit annoying, but it's it's not the end of the world as long as you have the, the main event fight for the for the belt. And Daniel Cormier, Daniel Cormier, yeah, has the belt, which makes it a big fight. And even though John Jones doesn't have the belt, people consider him the real champion. So that fight sells either way. So um, yeah, uh, I hope they don't go with Jimmy Manuel, but they seem to be trying to go with Jimmy Manuel. But just the fans and the media have put no no support behind it really except for the odd Jimmy Manoa fan or English English fan yeah even like even if you look at someone like Serkinov he's seven wins in a row and the last two are finishes over uh, Kutalaba and uh, Nikita Krylov which are you know that's as those are as good as um, Manoa's two wins and, and the streak is longer so ah well the OSP one's a bit better I think in the OSP destroyed Krylov didn't he yeah I don't know yeah kind of I suppose but still I don't know it's, it's a bit weird it definitely is and I suppose the other big thing then, um, after all that, was Rumble Johnson's uh, retirement. And I'll, I'll, I'll hand this one over to, <laughs> over to you immediately because you've kind of you've changed me to the, this whole MMA retirement thing, even though I was a little bit like you anyway, but I, I'm fully on with the not believing the MMA retirement. So is that where you stand with this one? Yeah, I never believe in MMA retirements. Well, very, very rarely. Um, yeah, they just, they just never last. Uh, he'll be back. Um what else is he gonna do? Like you know, what these fighters—it's all they ever do for years and years—is train, fight. Everything's around the, the fight and the training, and it's 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 everything to them. And then they try to leave, and they get bored, and they come back pretty quick usually. Um, yeah, I was joking about Cole Conrad, uh, the former former Bellator heavyweight champion, undefeated, greatest of all time heavyweight. Uh, he retired and. We thought he'd be back, but he actually stayed retired. So, uh, and Carl Pendred as well. I kind of knew he was going to stay retired after talking to him, but that was a unique situation. Um, so I actually like uh, was able to talk to him and actually 
see his reasoning and hear what he was going to do and he actually had a business lined up so some people do it right and i don't think anthony johnson maybe anthony, anthony johnson says he has something waiting don't know what it is but i'd be very surprised if he if he, uh, if he doesn't come back but uh, he'd want to come back soon because he's known to, to get very very fat in between fights so uh he's uh he'd want to he'd want to do it quick i'd say yeah you know in these situations it always seems like a grass is always greener on the other side situation kind of a, a thing you know the fighting is definitely very tough and all the media requirements are tough and everything like that but it also has a level of excitement and a level of money and a level of notoriety that you just simply don't get what other things now what are what yeah. Like what job is he going to get? He's going to get a job where he's working like eight to five or like nine to six or something like that, and he's sitting in an yeah. office all day, or you know, going to miss the buzz of the crowd yeah. and the fans and the adrenaline rush, and it's like a drug. These are chemicals getting released in your into into your body that are that are drugs, and um, people are addicted to these feelings. And uh, somebody like Anthony Johnson, he's he's kind of in the the prime of his career. It'd, it'd be it'd be a bad decision i think to, to leave now he's probably making the most money he's ever made he's uh even though he just lost to daniel cormier again he's in a good position uh, in the division he can he can get back to a to a jones title fight if jones is to win the belt back uh pretty quickly and within a year or two if he just keeps going not even that much not yeah that well much. yeah exactly yeah he'll be back in there in no time if he just if he just keeps going so i'd say uh I'd say he'll keep going, but uh, his, his his camp didn't seem very happy with him. They, they seemed to have left by the time he even announced his retirement. They just had walked off. He, he awkwardly called for them for about a minute and then decided he was going to go without them. Yeah. I'm not sure for a guy like that who's clearly mentally weak that that's the best camp for him either. Like Henry Hooft is up there with Edmund Ferdinand as the worst <laughs> tournament in, in, in MMA. Like He's obviously a great coach. He worked wonders with coaching and everything like that, but as a corner man, he's absolutely horrendous. Like, and don't get me wrong on that. No, he's a very, very good coach, and you know, he's definitely someone you'd advise to go coach me. But I wouldn't. If I was, a, there's no way I'd have him as my corner man. Like, he just is the most negative corner man. And in fairness to him, I must say he's cornering advice. To, I think Bloody Elbow had it up, uh, piece by piece, which was actually good at the weekend, telling him the right stuff to do. So, I, you know, on that note, it's not. But I can't imagine. I can't imagine for a guy who's Anthony Johnson seems like that. You know, you hear it in soccer all the time, and kind of a guy that you need to put your hand around. You know, a kind of a, a softer guy. You know, who need, needs to be even though he's the best or yeah. kind of yeah. yeah. And I don't think he knew if the sort of guy who'd do that. Maybe you know, I think a, I know a, he's obviously not going to go to Jackson's because Jones is there. But someone like a Greg Jackson or someone like that might be a little bit better for him. And you know, an environment where he'd. You know where he, uh, he, you know he'd prosper or something. Like that. I'm I'm not sure. I might be I might be off the mark with that. But yeah, I, I, I if you if his heart isn't in it, maybe it is the best to leave. But uh, I see him getting the itch pretty quickly and, and coming back. Um, it, it's gonna be hard for somebody like Anthony Roman Johnson to make the money that he's making in at this stage of his career and big fights like this. Uh, this one against Daniel Cormier, it just happened. So uh, I'd expect him back as if. Um, as if he never went away, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, like, how long can someone who, you know, live a mundane lifestyle where, you know, you can't sleep until 12 every day and where you don't have this date, you know, three months away that you're working towards and, you know, you have a huge night in your life. And yeah, that's a huge buzz. Yeah. You know, 
that's that's something that's going to be de- very that's very hard to give up, and that's why MMA is is the scene. It is like a drug; it drags you back in. And you know, as you said, the guy up there near the top in the lightest division, probably in you know, it's definitely up there as the lightest division in MMA at the top. And um, yeah, I'd be surprised if he doesn't come back. To be honest, he could come back at heavyweight as well. You know, yeah. he's, fought he's probably, he's probably already about two hundred and forty pounds now, a couple of days out. <laughs> or you can cut that anyway be grand yeah right we better move on i suppose to the other fights in the card and before we get to the common event let's just quickly go through a couple of the other ones and mention them i thought magomed uh, bibulatov who doesn't have the best background doesn't have the nicest friends uh, as people you know kadrov and and things like that (laughs) who's just doing terrible things at the moment. I go over to Bloody Elbow again, read uh, Karim Zidane's um, uh, work on that. he had a he was very impressive i think he's a very very good fighter outside of that you know tremendous um tremendous win there in, in the opening fight of the night just absolutely destroyed his opponent got a point taken away i thought it was a little bit harsh for a kick to the grind um you, you were impressed with him were you? yeah he looked good uh he's his grappling is definitely very good he, he, he a lot of these a lot, he's similar to a lot of these um Eastern European guys, his striking maybe is a bit needs a bit I of work. Good, I, I enjoy. I think. I think. He, yeah, it was all right, but it's definitely the not the strong point of his game. Yeah. It seems. It seems. Um, it seems that his wrestling is is, is the strong point of his game. He maybe that was me, just in this fight, though. Maybe that was just a game plan here. Look to me in this fight, like we had two people who are going to be fighting for the lightest title, the two lightest titles in uh, in MMA over the next eighteen months to two years. I think. And we'll get to the second one in a minute. The Chukagan Aldana fight. Did you at Chukagan won it? Did you? Who did you have that for? Um, I was actually I wasn't really watching it all that closely. We were, Andy Cowan was sexist over there, so we were, we were sexist. I know, you were. prelims. I had to post uh, the interviews, uh, the scrums and stuff. So I was kind of doing doing that on the laptop with the fights in the background. Ah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I had it for Aldana anyway. I thought. You know, it was a close decision, but I just thought they they barely got it wrong on that one. I thought Aldana, the first two rounds, were, I think everyone scored him the same. And I think the third round was the one, but I thought Aldana landed the harder shots. Um, but yeah, I, I, you couldn't complain too much over it. Um, Connor, or Connor Gillespie, Gregor Gillespie, 21-second knockout was probably the most impressive um, person on, on all of the undercard. Just a, a tremendous knockout there. Another good guy coming through in the lightweight division. Pat Cummins and Jan Blakovic had a had an insane fight there. I thought it, personally I thought it was I thought it was a draw. You know, the first 30 seconds of that one was amazing, wasn't it? It was like Congo and uh Congo and Barry, you know. But yeah. Okay, I was watching it uh score watching it and scoring it, but it seemed like the third could have been a ten eight as well. Um I don't. But know. I think I think I, I I think um with the new with the new scoring criteria uh, the judges seem to be giving a lot of ten eights so uh, I was surprised that there wasn't there wasn't more ten eights in that one. Yeah, uh, Shane Burgess as well put on an impressive display against Charles Rosa. I really enjoyed that fight. I had to stop it a little early. Really early. Yeah, yeah, yeah I thought it was a little early. The people are giving out to me because I said that, and I think this is MMA. Like this is fi- this is two lads fighting in a cage, and when it's in, you know, that was in the middle of a kind of a war. And Shane Burgess was definitely winning it at that stage for that 15, 20 seconds, whatever it was. But Charles Rosa was by no means done. He was nearly done. I'll give They're you both tired as well, done. so it looks a bit more like you're out of it when you're when you're tired and you get hit. You kind of look a bit more shaky than you are. So maybe that was the case there, or maybe he was out of it and about to drop, but. He didn't seem to be. He seemed to be uh, rocked, but not not finished. 
Yeah, I think Luke Thomas made a good point that sometimes in those situations you take extraordinary chances to try to get yourself back into it. And I think that's what Rosa was doing. But that's something you can do in MMA. You know, he's he's a type of guy that will go out and he shield trying to win a fight and trying to get back into a fight. And I think that's what he was doing. And I, look, it was a borderline one. And I know a lot of people, I, I'm very big on health and safety. And, and you know, I'd rather it be an early stoppage than a late stoppage. But I, you know, I think that Charles Rosa knew what he was doing. Like, you know, he was, it's, it's, it wasn't, an, he wasn't intelligently defending himself. You know, he was intelligently. <laughs> trying to go out in the shield if that makes sense but i i thought it was a that was a little bit early you, you know you can't you can't stop them when they're two lads thrown down and one you know he knew what he was doing so yeah i thought it was a little bit early but a lot of people disagree cameron usman good display against sean strickland a little bit of a boring fight i thought he could have finished yeah. it strickland just yeah. looked like he strickland seemed to injure his or uh, some problem with his eye in the first round and kind of was all downhill from there for him he just he couldn't stop the takedowns and he was a bit timid. Uh, I think uh, he, told, he told his corner he couldn't see out of his eye. And then the doctor came over about five seconds later and goes, can you see? Can you see? And he's like, oh, yeah, I can see. I can see. <laughs> been, talk about Usman against uh, Gunnar Nelson. I think Gunnar Nelson's a little bit ahead of him, to be honest. Uh, I think that'll be a step back from him. Usman yeah. is you know, kind of a decision, a lot of decisions. Um yeah, I'd like to, he could he should have finished on Strickland to be honest. He, if you're wanting to make a mark, if you're wanting to get into the top of that division, and it's a stacked division as we know, welterweight, you know, it's probably top three divisions in MMA. You have to be, you know, you have to be making more noise than he did when you're on a prelim like that. And I just I don't think he did enough. And that's you know, that's harsh, but it's hard when you get to the top of that division, when you've guys like you know, when you've guys like Gunnar yeah, Nelson or you know, Wonder by Thompson, you have to send out Damien Mayan all like that. So definitely you know, I'd be putting him near close to the top fifteen, but top top ten, top five yet. I don't not there yet, I don't think so for a uh, Cameron Usman. But definitely, you know, he's he's still very raw, I think. And yeah, he's got um, loads of talent and loads, loads, loads of talent. Loads of, loads of uh, room to improve. And he's he's definitely improving since the ultimate fighter. He was very one dimensional wrestler and now he seems to he seems to be a lot better. So I'd say he he'll improve fight to fight and will definitely will definitely uh He'll definitely progress more and more. 100% agree. Another guy who seems to have progressed after a couple of setbacks, Miles Jury, came out with a very impressive win over um, Mike Delatore. I've always been a, I've always been a fan of Miles Jury. I always liked his game. Yeah. He, you know, he has. He he's had that featherweight for this one, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He, had a, that he was at 170 on the only. ultimate fighter and did well there and fought a few few fights in the UFC at 170, I think, as well. So he's. Uh, He's a big, big guy for 145, and he uh, completely demolished Mike Delatore. <laughs> just bullied him, beat the crap out of him. Yeah. I think Ryan O'Connor said he ground him into dust. Yeah, very, <laughs> very good as well. Like, uh, what I like most about Miles Jury is how he can switch things up. Like, his hands are very, very slick, but he's also that good wrestler, and that's when he's at his best when he's adding in that wrestling as well. I think that was a big problem against um, against Cerrone when he fought him. That Cerrone kind of added the wrestling first, and he kind of dominated, and he didn't let him, you know, stay on him. But yeah, Miles Jury, I think at 145 is a big future ahead of him. As I said, I'd love to see him fight Yair Rodriguez maybe in a you know a couple of fights time. I think that'd be a good one. Uh, so let's get to the main card. Charles Oliveira, you got this one right against Will Brooks. This was the weirdest fight of the night, I thought. Did you agree? I didn't expect this. I, I like we talked last week, and I think you know Oliveira getting a submission is always something that could ha- possibly happen. But the way he did it's it, just which Oliveira is going to turn up. Yeah. Like when he's aggressive and goes for the takedowns, he's he's able to get or not always able to get them, but he's he's pretty high success rate of getting getting the takedown or causing a scramble, which ends up with him on top. But uh, it was a very nice. Uh, 
was it a body lock takedown on, on Will Brooks and he made it look easy and he just demolished Will Brooks basically. Yeah, I thought it was like the first one, okay, you had a body lock and you had a trip and then Brooks got up and the second one, it was just a pure body lock. And for that to happen twice in the one fight, it was just amazing. <laughs> I thought against someone who's a wrestler like Will Brooks, like I expected maybe Will Brooks to take him down like that, maybe where Oliver, Oliver kind of lets him get to the ground so he can have a chance for a submission. But Will Brooks to be taken down like that by someone you know who's fought at 145. And he was bigger than Will Brooks, I know, but he's kind of a gangly, um, very thin sort of guy. But I was just, I thought that was I'd, just I'd amazing. Say- yeah, I'd say on. if you had picked uh, Oliver to win and hadn't put the cooler on uh, on Will Brooks, <laughs> then it would have been very different. Yeah, my, the cooler she my picks have been horrendous over the last few months. Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> they've been very bad, but yeah, I agree. Like, <laughs> you think Oliver should stay at one fifty-five? I think he should. Yeah, I don't know what he's talking about. Why does he keep wanting to go to one forty-five? It, it's it's he looks he's he looks terrible at one forty-five. He looks so out of it and he doesn't he doesn't make weight he, like mm-hmm. they can't put you in a title title shot and w- want you to be their champion if they kind of uh they kind of um rely on you rely on you to make weight like if you're just like they can't even not rely on you once or twice they can't rely on you like four or five times to make weight and you're 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 not a small 155 or so i don't know why he, he seems dead set on going to 145 again uh hopefully somebody will have a word with him and, and uh it's a big win for him. It'll probably have him ranked in 155 if he stays there. Um, yeah. So just just try to make your way out the 155 division. Um, I, I don't understand why he keeps he keeps trying to go to featherweight. Totally agree. Yeah, I think he should. For Will Brooks, then, God, it's just been a it's just been a terrible start to his UFC career. Like I think yeah. he's just looking bad and all these the shit out of him. <laughs> Yeah, he's look he's look. He looked like he has no confidence, and he's a guy that was in Bellator, and he was—he looks ultra confident, like you know, beating Michael Chandler. Just look, mm. look like a guy who, you know, the world wanted him. Look like a guy who got out of the got out of Bellator because he wanted to come to the UFC and make a, you know, make a splash. And maybe it's because he's not getting as much money, or I don't know. Maybe he is getting as much money, but maybe it's because he wasn't pushed into those title fights, and maybe the. the you know that that determination and that you know that, that excuse upon that will to win kind of has gone away a little bit. I don't know. I think it's... it was a bit too easy for him all along. It was a bit too easy for him all along, and he never seemed to have that 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 great cardio since he's been in the UFC. Obviously, in this fight, we didn't get to see that, but he's tired out. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's not dedicating enough to it to improve and to be in the right shape. He. he... He just uh, like because he'd been five rounds before in Bellator, and then when he came to the UFC, he was getting tired. And like the end of the second, third round, it was it was very strange. Like usually, uh, guys kind of try to up at a level when they come to the UFC. Or I don't know what's going on with, with Will Brooks. To be honest, um, he just doesn't look like the fighter that we thought he was uh, when he came over from Bellator. Yeah, it's a very weird one. Very very weird altogether. And you know, maybe maybe he's this one one of these guys that can. You know, improve by giving him a real lesser opponent by giving him. I th- I honestly thought Oliveira would be that. I thought Oliveira would be an easy fight for him, but it just didn't turn out that way. So yeah, maybe you give him someone you know well down the ranks. But um, yeah, it's big. Will Brooks could fall out of the UFC. You know, to cut one or two more losses and he could be gone. That that's yeah. the you know that's the reality of it. He's probably on decent money coming from Bellator as well. So I don't know. You see that? I think you know at the time he was. 
they signed him to a contract where he was just kind of a normal fighter and did you know UFC don't care about Bellator titles, you know. So yeah. I don't know. Maybe he isn't. Uh let's move on anyway, because we've a good bit still to get through. Patrick Cote returning against Thiago Alves. Um, he'll, be back. he'll be back, yeah. I don't he, he it seemed like a one that he's kind of gone because he is the commentary job with uh, it'll be like a short notice fight in like two months time and he'll be <laughs> campaigning for it on twitter maybe he's sort of a guy that's kind of fallen out before though and kind of gone away from the ufc and come back so i think this was kind of his comeback already and maybe mm-hmm. um, I, I, I don't think anyone expected him to retire after this so that's always a sure sign that someone will be back but I don't know. This was—he uh, probably will, but I think this is a little bit more believable than Andrew yeah, Johnson. This is, you know? it's definitely a bigger chance of, in my opinion, of Cote staying retired than than Rumble. Yeah, yeah. But um, how? Do, like we were talking about it a little bit before the podcast. I think it reminded me a little bit of of Brad Pickett. You know, the the retirement that never really got to the top of the game. You know, <laughs> it was definitely a popular guy in his country you know canadian guy but there was always kind of a couple of people ahead of him and but a, a good solid professional fighter who i think everyone kind of liked and who had a lot of fans as well i think but would you agree with that yeah he's yeah he was in um big fights like he fought tito ortiz for the for the belt of uh, uh, heavyweight he fought anderson silver for the belt at middleweight so he's kind of been um a guy that will hop in on short notice and save a card or over the years, things like that. So I think fans always appreciate that, and the UFC always appreciate that as well. They gave him a, I don't know if they gave him the gig or the French TV gave him the gig, but he has a gig as a UFC commentator for the French, the French commentary. So he definitely has something to fall back on there, and maybe he will stay retired because he'll still be involved in MMA in that way, and he might get the stay involved that way and um, not have to work in like an office nine to five that will drive him mad and back into the gym. But uh, I'd still, if I had to bet, I'd I'd expect to see Patrick Cote fight again. Yeah, I, I'm probably on board with that as well. Uh, yeah, but Thiago Alves, we all back the years here. He looked he looked sharper than he's looked in in years. He uh, he definitely should stay at a uh, welterweight. He looked terrible at a uh, lightweight. Um, he de- doesn't have the same speed or or power that he used to have when he was when he was young. Alves, but he was. He was technical and just just better than Cote everywhere. I think in in this fight. Yeah, I was on I was on the lads at submission radio. It's out uh, now over on YouTube. Check it out. And I kind of said the exact same thing. You know, it's a bit of a Ryan Giggs. You know, he's changed up his game. He's not the the fast you know athletic guy he used to be. Now he's kind of more refined. And I think this is the first time we've really seen it from him. And uh, I was very impressed with it. I, th- I thought it was a very very good display. Kind of. When there's a guy longer than you like that, like Cote, and when you have the leg kicking ability of Thiago Alves, that's always a huge thing. And I think he did that from the very start, and he kind of took away that lint by making Cote kind of not, you know, not use his lint as much as he would normally. Um, he, you know, he made him kind of stand up straight to kind of take away the leg kick and to check those leg kicks as well. So that was tough. And yeah, I thought it was a, a very good display from him. Um, Sintini Calvillo against Pearl Gonzalez. You know, Calvillo again. We spoke about her. Uh, uh, you know, for after our last fight, very, very impressive again. I was impressed as well this time with her striking. I thought, you know, Pregnant I was impressed with her as well. I thought she came out well. You know, she had that high guard and she came up with that, you know, that defensive kind of wall. And that's something, and I, sp- I spoke about this on, on Twitter and stuff. There was people saying, you know, to, to kind of slow the roll on Calvillo a, a bit, but. I don't know. I think she's. I think she's a phenomenal fighter. You know, Gonzalez has said came out with that defensive wall, and that's not easy for someone, you know, who's two fights into the UFC to deal with. But she dealt with it unbelievably well. You know, she used her footwork to get around to the sides. You know, to 
she was landing shots from all different angles, breaking down that wall of Gonzalez, just absolutely brilliant. When it got onto the ground, you know, Calvillo is just a, a wizard on the ground. The way she, you know, she has the back mount in, in um, or she she takes her back and then Calvillo or um, Gonzalez moves to get the to get to the side and then she moves with her and gets you know stays on the back or gets into mount or she's just an absolute whiz on the ground it's 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 a joy to watch people like that on the ground and she got the she got the choke in the end as i said impressed with gonzalez but i honestly think calvio is already up there she's she's in she should be definitely ranked in me for that division and now when i say that i don't mean give her title to her ranking soon but i think she's already a contender and i think you know, no problem. Problem think, having a slow yeah. roll. Give her two yeah, or three roll, yeah. fights. No problem with that. But I think she already has the quality to be one of the top people in that division. Yeah, I think I think she, I think she definitely has the the. She has a massive future. But I think if you put her in there with somebody like Jessica Aguilar, Felice Herrig, now it's it's too soon. I think. But somebody like Paige Van Zant, like there, there's a nice fight. Maybe even one more before that, and then Paige. Um, they're teammates, aren't they? Team Alpha Mill, although Paige is kind of half left team Alpha Mill. Yeah, whatever. You see, tell them what to do. They're they're under contract. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. But there's definitely, you know, definitely a few matches. I think Felice is actually Felice is underrated. I think. I think she's very. Yeah. She's improved an awful lot. She, I think she. I think a lot of people say these things, and it turns out to be bullshit. But she said that she was struggling with her weight and her overtraining and loads of different things. She was just doing everything wrong and. She said she fixed that, and then she looked way better after she'd fixed that. So it could be an anomaly where she just had a really good day, or just it was a nice style matchup or whatever. But I think I think she's probably uh, she's probably um, better than people think, Felice Herrig. So I think she, she there's not much upside to that because people don't really rate her that highly. And um, I think maybe yeah, maybe another fight or two, see how how uh, Cynthia looks, and then. Start putting her against the ten to fifteen ranked uh, women strawweights. Do you know who she'd beat? Joanne Calderwood. That Joanne Calderwood's very low. She's that very. Fight goes um, to the ground and it's consistent. Yeah, if it goes to the ground, yeah. But Joanna Calderwood is very good on her day as well. But she's very inconsistent as well. Yeah, if you're going to be giving her someone, I think Marina Moroz is one a person you could give her there. I think she's good on the ground and she's you know she's. Relatively Carla, Carla Esparza is actually a good matchup for her. Um, she has no striking and uh, her wrestling is is good but not great. And uh, I think she'd be she'd be able to reverse the positions on the ground if Carla was to go bring her to the ground. Yeah, like I'm just and looking at the top fifteen. There's very few people that I think would beat her. To be honest, right now. But yeah, as you said, slow. There's no harm. To slow roll. Keep it. Keep it. Uh, keep it slow for me. Yeah, but. Exciting, exciting. All right, let's get to the co-main event and probably the most controversial. Um, number one bullshit. <laughs> number one bullshit. I think there's a lot of people to blame here. There's a lot of different intricacies to this. Before we get to that, just just to fight itself, I think uh, Whiteman came out and very intelligent display from him in the first round. A lot of rest and that single leg was there from him for him all night. He was just taking on Musasi with ease, as we kind of alluded to last I don't week. Know if it was with ease though, he seems to use up a lot of energy doing. He did, but he still got him down. What, what did yeah. he get, like, four takedowns in the first yeah. round or something like that? I think it was three, yeah. But I think he used a lot of energy holding Musashi down. I think Musashi was always trying to get back up. So, he, uh, I don't think, like, they weren't easy takedowns. But, like, yeah, they were nicely executed takedowns. And um, it was going well for Weidman. He, like, he was eating a few jabs, and it, it wasn't all his own way. And um, Musashi probably had the better of the striking. But, yeah, the, the first round was mainly Weidman on top, uh, 
winning the round. I thought the second in, Weidman was kind of winning again, but Musassi came with that big flurry. And like, I, I thought he was going to finish Weidman actually, but he, he kind of did a bit of an Anthony Johnson. He went wrestling him, went to try to take him down and give Weidman time to recover. And, um, you know, that kind of into that. And then the whole Ferrari came. Um, if you didn't see what happened was, <sighs> Musassi kind of had a front headlock on Weidman when they were both standing up. And, Weidman put his two hands on the ground and then um, Musasi threw two kicks at him. Now, uh, for me at the start, it looked like Weidman's hands were on the ground. It looked illegal to me on the replay. Though it showed yeah. both, both were clearly legal. And the, the rule is you have to have two palms on the ground, two fists on the ground, or a fist and a palm on the ground. The new rule is at the moment. So if you just have fingers down, which he it looked like he had, but he didn't have, even if he had the fingers down, that still would have been a legal blow by Musasi. So that, that clears that rule up, but they kind of made a hems of it after that again. Is that how you saw it as well? Uh, I actually thought it was legal all along. Um, yeah, even, even I always think this, even when guys are, are down and they always go to block with their hand and lift their hand off. Not always, but regularly they lift their hand off the ground to yeah. block like an automatic reflex. And even if the knee is thrown or the kick is thrown, when their hand is down, a lot of guys will automatically react by taking their hand off the, the ground. That's true. And it happens all the time. And even in loads of, loads of, uh, or a few, a few that the general, a few kind of similar knees or, or kicks that have been the general consensus has been that it, that it was uh, illegal. I think that, that they've been legal, even when Josh Koscheck blocked with his with his forearm and, and the knee hit his forearm and then his forearm hit himself in the face. That's not illegal. Like yeah. you have to be sure. I think before you blow the whole fight uh, by stopping it. Yeah, if you're not sure, you let it go on. Um, I think the like if you're not sure they've poked in the eye. Eye pokes and ball shots where guys claim they've been poked in the eye, and the ref says, I didn't see it. Go on. So the ref couldn't have seen something that didn't happen in this fight because it didn't happen, so you couldn't have possibly seen it. So why is he making a decision when he doesn't know what's happened? He's ruined the it whole was fight. Very it was very close, in fairness, but it was definitely Dan Murray. Like the fist and the palm. Yeah, so well, it wasn't that close. It wasn't close enough to blow the whole fight over. Like, it was relatively close. It was. Like, it was. It was. It was. It, was, it wasn't an easy decision, but it no. wasn't like this. Yeah. Oh, this tiny half a centimeter thing. It was. It was. I thought it was. Thought it was, it was uh, legal for. I thought it was legal live, and I thought it was legal on all the replays, pretty clearly. Honestly. Yeah. Uh, you have to look where Mergliano was as well. He was behind them. So, like, did he have the closest view of it? I don't know. But that's look. We know what happened anyway. There's no point arguing over. We we know it was legal, and he made a mistake, right? So it's what it comes after that, right? That just blew my mind. It was just a shit show from from that moment on, right? You can understand the mistake. Those things happen, right? For him to okay, he gave him time to recover because he thought it was illegal. Fair enough. Then he went out, and John McCarthy had looked at it on the television, which are not allowed to do, which is illegal over there. That the first point, I think everyone agrees it should be legal. You should be able to do that. Yeah. But he did that, right? Which are not allowed to do. And John McCarthy told him it was legal. So he goes, oh, this is legal. Oh, you know, you're not getting a point taken away, Auntie Musassi. He goes off to Weidman goes, right, how much time has he left? Three and a half minutes. Okay, you've three and a half minutes. He should have no time if it was legal. You know, that that's it. You, you, the fight should either be restarted or it should be. And I think the correct decision I don't think he can made. restart the fight. No, I don't think he can. No, you can't. But, you know, whatever. He could, he could have been. He could have done that. I think the correct decision should be. I made a mistake. I made a fuck up. I stopped the fight when it shouldn't have been stopped. So this is a no contest. I think it's the same if a fucking, you know, 
a, a sheet of uh, timber on the floor had broken and in the middle of the octagon and you can't fight on because the octagon is broken. That that's, I think I think I think I think, think Musasi Musasi that'd be harsh on Musasi. I know well, it's a fucked complicated fucked up situation. So maybe you could put it this is just I'm just spitballing here. You could put okay. a no contest on Chris Weidman's uh, record and put a win on Musasi's record. Well, you can't do that. Well, you can if you if you can stop a fight for no reason and give him a few minutes to recover and then call it a PKO, then you can do that. Yeah, but we're talking about the real world here. Like, you know, that's it's, you can't. That's, well, you that's can't take the win away win, from win. Musashi. He's about to win that fight. Yeah, uh, but he didn't win the fight. Though. That's that's the whole thing. But he did officially. He's did. Not, yeah, but he shouldn't have. Like, he made a fuck up. He, but he did. This is real world, as you say. He did. <laughs> yeah, but we're talking about the decision that should have been made. Like, and I don't think the yeah, decision, was... about the decision that should be made on the record. It shouldn't be taken yeah. away from Musashi as a no contest, and it shouldn't be given to Chris Wyman as a loss because. Chris Wyman could have recovered, but it was most likely that. But Musashi hadn't won that fight. Well, he was on. He was on route to winning yeah, it. And on route to win if, it. If, if Chris Wyman told the referee or the doctor that he couldn't continue when he thought it was an, an illegal strike, then he's he's TKO'd. So if if Chris Wyman said that, then there's no problem to TKO to, to Musasi. He was he told the referee or the doctor that he was finished by that strike. Then then it's no problem. But if he didn't say that he's finished by that strike, that he can't go on, then. You could, I don't know. You, it's it's got it's got to be a no contest for Chris Wyman, but it's very very harsh to take away the the CKO that, win. That all him. happened after Dan Mergat have stopped the fight. Once he yeah. stops that fight, it's a no contest straight away in my eyes. That's it because it and I, I, it's a no contest because he intervened in the fight the same as if this octagon had broken between them and they couldn't. Oh, there's no way we can't restart the fight, so we have to give this a no contest. Musasi hadn't won, Wyman hadn't won, neither had lost. That's it for me. The fight was not over. Musashi had not won. It doesn't matter if he was on his way to winning it. He had not won. No, but if 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 Wyman, if when Herb Dean or when Dan Mercadiata, sorry, goes up to him and says they were illegal, are you able to continue? And he says, no, I'm not able to continue. Then that was it's kind of harsh on. Yeah, but it's it's harsh, very harsh on Musashi to take that away from him. Yeah, but maybe harsh like uh, but that's just you have but to, it's very uh, harsh on Weidman to have a TKO loss on his record now so something needs to change yeah. I think you need you need to have set rules and I think it makes sense in that in that situation where the referee makes a fuck up and st- like to be honest I'd be okay with it just restarting the fight I know you can't do that but just let him fight if if Weidman says I'm okay at the fight which I think you were kind of alluding to there and Musasi you know he, the referee makes a mistake just say look I made a mistake like a drop of the ball in soccer just start the fight again I'd be okay with that, but in a situation, you you have, just have to have set rules. If you know people might disagree with that, they might not want it started. And so have a no contest. I think, but you need to have set rules. You need to have rules so we know ex- exactly what's going to happen. But, like people, a lot of the people in charge haven't like. Damer Lillard is a horrendous referee. He makes mistakes like this all the time. You know, I think there's just some great referees. You have the likes of John McCarthy and you have like Herb Dean, Mark Goddard over here. You know, you have a lot of good referees, but you have a lot of idiots as well. And you've most of the people running MMA are fucking idiots. You know, on the Nevada Satellite Commission, you know, there's some good guys in yeah, California. Stop bringing Mark Radner onto the broadcast. Yeah, so he gets what the rules are. He doesn't even know what the rules are. Just stop bringing him on. He's confusing Joe Rogan, everything. Joe Rogan trying to you know explain things as well. He doesn't have a clue what the rules are either. You know, a lot of the time he didn't do too bad on this one but he was just kind of roaring and shouting and he was roaring at Darren Mergliata as well like you're not Joe Rogan you're not a part of the, fu- the fight like you're commentating yeah. you people you're are professional yeah. yeah exactly so I think it was just but MMA is a very complicated sport and at the highest level like that you know you you need someone you know to, who can do the job right and 
uh, look, I think there's a lot of different issues here, right? There's a the mistake, fair enough, they, those happen, but bring in video technology so you can get the right result, whether that's a no contest, whether that's restarting the fight, whether it's a win for Musasi, whatever you wanted. I think that's the first thing. And John McCarthy looked at the screen, and you know, it's an easy thing to do. They show the replays on the TV. Why can't the guy sitting in his cage side look at them? So I think that's the first thing. Um, and but you, you were making the point as well about Weidman, and he kind of did, you know, if if that had been a legal blow, it was a legal blow, but if it had, Dan Nergliata had done that and not intervened, wouldn't would Weidman have gone down to the ground holding his head like that? No. No, I don't think so. So, like, you can feel, like, I, I, the point you were saying there, you kind of feel bad for Weidman. I don't feel bad, as bad for Weidman as I do as I would for Musassi if it was taken away from him, to be honest. Because but I think if, 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 Weidman, if Weidman said he couldn't continue, then I don't feel sorry for him. But if he didn't say that, then I do. Yeah. See, the do- yeah, the doctor... If, well, if, if you're going to be sold, okay, you have five minutes, just rest there. And he's like, okay, I've been told I've been legally need. I'm given five minutes. I'm just resting here. And they ask you, can you continue? And you go, yeah, I just want my five minutes. And then they go, actually, sorry, we fucked this up. You lose. But if he goes, I can't continue, then it changes everything, I think. And then he deserves to lose by TKO. Yeah. Even though it's a complete cock-up and it's very unfortunate. But that's maybe he doesn't deserve to lose by TKO, but that's the fairest of of anything, any outcome. Yeah, definitely see where you're coming from. Yeah, I, I still, uh, I think the right result was a no contest in that fight, to be honest, because of what Dan did. But yeah, I can see like uh, people. There was people cage side. I think someone, someone said it, and they said Weidman was saying I can't fight on or something like that. Or, you know, he wasn't trying to get back into the fight. And I think the doctors, the two doctors that came in, were kind of not letting him get back to fight. So you know, I, I still, think, I, I can't get away from thinking it was a no contest. But for Weidman and the fact that he looked for it, you know, it was. He was looking for a DQ win, like that's I think what he was looking for. That's what he was thinking in his head. But you know, I think someone mentioned that a lot of people, you know, after getting eye poked or getting kicked in the balls, are always like, "No, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I want to get on." And so most of the time, you're saying, you know, let them take their five minutes. You know, you two would take your time, take your five minutes. But a lot of people do that because this happens, and it's happened before, and it'll happen again. You know, where referees and commissions have just fuck it up, and it happens an awful lot, and it's. You know, it's another thing in MMA that's just awful. There's so many great people in this sport, but there's, you know, there's so many yeah. bad people as well. A similar so, thing happened in the Redzer and Norman Park fight. Uh, Redzer landed a knee to the body. Ref called it a legal knee to the head, and Norman was given time to recover. And Norman ended up winning that fight by majority decision. So these things are huge. Like, these little tiny mis- or these like seemingly small mistakes by referees are huge in these fights. That, like... They changed, they changed the whole course of careers, potentially, like with Weidman and Misasi. Weidman's now lost three in a row instead of being being back. The narrative is completely different now, and the, the mindset is completely different now for Weidman. Yeah, yeah but as I say, like, it's, it's small mistakes like that, which are obviously relatively small but can be huge, are something that you can never avoid. They're, they're always going to be made, but it's given that as a win instead of a no contest, that's a huge mistake that you had time to think about and stuff. And I just think, yeah. I think that's inexcusable. To, to avoid these things in the future, the best thing is if you didn't see it for sure, you don't give it. Yeah. That's just, if you didn't see something, then you just say, okay, I'm, you say he poked you in the eye, but I didn't see it. So fight on. Or you say that he needs you illegally, but he, I didn't see it. So fight on. If you didn't see it, I don't think you can give it as a referee. And if it didn't happen, you couldn't have seen it. So it's pretty simple, really. The eyes sometimes show you odd things, Graham. These things happen, like my. Well, if guys have eye problems, they shouldn't be referees. 
that's true. Right, let's let's move on. We've we talked enough about UFC two ten. Okay, let's get to next week's card, and we'll, we'll run through this pretty quickly. Um, there's some big, very, very good fights on next week's card. Let's go through a couple of the smaller cards before we get to the main ones. Tim Elliott against Lewis Mulga. How'd you see that one going? I think Tim Elliott, to be honest. Do you? I, yeah, I, I would have picked Smolka before, but they, they both seem on... Smolka seems on a kind of a slump, and Elliott seems better than ever. Yeah, I... I, I... I, I think small will win. I think he'll probably end up submitting him because he's very, very good in the ground. But Tim Elliott's a you know a nasty the slow guy. starts though. Slow starts always worry mm-hmm. me from Smolka. He always gets in trouble early and uh Tim Elliott will put a beating on you early if 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 you let him. Uh, and he's a big guy for the weight class as well. So he he's very big for the weight class, Tim Elliott. Um I think that'll be an insane fight. Back and forth. Yeah. Now that you picked Smolga, he's definitely going to lose it. Yeah, I didn't pick him. I'm still away. I am doing the picks for that, so I probably will end up picking him. So there you go. Um, Aljamain Sterling against Augusto Mendes. That, that has the makings of a of a very good fight if it goes to the ground. But Sterling has been kind of fighting that outside game for a while, so it might not go to the ground. Um, but uh, Augusto Mendes hits very hard as well. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that one. It could be a good one as well. Yeah, that should be good. And um, Bobby Green's back as well. He's always good crack. He taunts people while they beat the crap out of him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that should be good. A bit of an ATS kind of a vibe going on there sometimes against uh, Rashid Megamedov. Tom Dukuma making his debut yeah. as well. How good for people who might not know Tom Dukuma? How good is Tom Dukuma? Tell us. I've yeah, told Tom, people often enough. Yeah, Tom Dukuma is is the two weight uh, Bama champion. Uh, he had a he, 45 and 35 belt. He's obviously fighting a 135 here now. He's fighting a bit of a layup here in Patrick Williams, who's, uh, I think, what is he, eight, eight and four or something like that? Eight and four. Uh, he doesn't got a great record. It's kind of a, an introduction fight for Tom Duke and Wall. So I think, uh, I think we can expect Tom Duke and Wall to win uh, inside the distance in this one. He's, he's, he has submissions, he has strike, and he's, he's very technical. Um, and his fights are usually very good fun as well. So uh, I'm expecting big things here from Tom Dukenwa, as, as a lot of people are. Yeah, I think Dukenwa is potential champion. To be honest, just absolutely destroyed everyone in in uh, in Bama, apart from um, apart from Brendan Lachnan, who's basically you know two weights above him. You know he's cuts down a lot of weight to make 45, and um, Dukenwa is basically a you know normal size bantamweight. So yeah, I think he's just unbelievable striking you know really good defensively and puts together uh, an unbelievably varied offense as well at the same time which is rare good on the ground something that's improved an awful lot recently he's really good when he gets you against the cage and he lands strikes you know kind of an old school randy couture type like that just brilliant everywhere training out of jackson's now as well so good elbows as well he's brilliant He's very good all around, and expect expect big things from him, and expect a big performance here. Yeah, definitely, hundred percent. Right, let's get to the main card. Jeremy Stevens is fighting as well. Probably expect another big knockout from him, or else he'll, you know, he'll end up kind of gassing and losing. But should be. Carnero is undefeated. He's he's had one draw, but uh, I think he he won a very close split decision in his last one. I can't remember who it was against, but uh, it wasn't it wasn't that impressive. So I, I I'd lean with Jeremy Stevens as well. One of them massive, massive uh, loaded up punches, winging, winging, winging towards him. Smash him on the face, yeah. And then Jacare against uh, Robert, Robert, Robert Whitaker. Should this be an easy win for Jacare? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Whitaker is dangerous on the feet, but if if, uh, 
if Jack Ray is smart about it, like he's he's no mugging to feed himself, but if he just gets a takedown, it should be should be handy enough for him here. Yeah, I've always liked Robert Whittaker. I think he's very good, but you know, I I struggle to see how he beats Jack Ray. You know, he's he's a, he's the type of guy you know who who wins a lot of decisions. He's he's power, but I don't know. I see enough power to knock out Jack Ray. Um, and he's takedown defense is good as well. But against Jack Ray, who just kind of catches a hold of you and you know ratchets you to the ground. All he needs is one opportunity. All he needs is one opportunity, and you know it's going to be over. Like more than likely, our submission. We forgot to mention Roy Nelson and Volkov actually. Yeah, I, I didn't forget. <laughs> <laughs> you skipped uh, over that one. It should be fun enough, Valkov. Yeah, I don't know. The striking match, I'd say. Ryan Nelson is the odd takedown, but I'd say he'll, he'll try to strike here. It should be good fun. Yeah, well, hopefully someone gets their head knocked off on that one. It should be fun. Uh, Rosanam Yunus against Michelle Watterson. That's, this yeah, is, this just is a very good fight. Very, very good fight. Um. I, I fancy Rose in this one. I think Michelle Watson, I said this in our last fight and it turned out to be wrong as well, but I think she's still a little bit small for the division, even though Rose is not the biggest in this division as well. But when she comes up against someone who is kind of, they're, they're, they've kind of taken opposite trajectories in their in their uh, careers. Rose started off as this submission artist who has developed a very good strike and offense and the Karate Hattie, as her uh, nickname suggests, started off as a very, very much um, a kickboxer and a karate style striker. And, but, She's kind of developed her ground game along the way and become very good now. Obviously, I submitted Paige Van Zandt in her last fight. So, very even matchup. I'd fancy Rose a little bit. I think she'll be able to um, she'll be able to use her striking enough to keep it even or maybe even win a little bit. And if it goes to the ground, I'd fancy her. Like the big thing about Rose is she's added that striking a lot uh, to her game, and but she's kind of fell in love with it and she's done nothing but striking for the last few games. But eventually, it might be not this fight. It might not be this fight, but you know this you know in the next four three or four fights she's going to put them both together and she's going to put those mad submissions with her striking and that's when she's going to be very very dangerous and i think yeah. there's a submission coming somewhere with her after she she strikes and knocks down someone and uh, i think could be here yeah she's still very young in the game rose as well like she, she's only had eight fights and she, she's beaten some like she beat tisha torres which is all like tisha torres is very hard to beat she's a grinder she's beaten uh paige van zandt angela hill like um yeah, she lost to, to Carla Sparza on the on the tough house, but that was one of uh, Rose's first fights, and I think Carla Sparza was a, a better fighter back then than she is now. She she got really badly beaten by Joanna and Jacek, and hasn't been the same since, in my opinion. Um, and her her uh, Rose's last loss was to, Car- to Carolina, so uh, split decision. So uh, yeah, I, I I'd lean towards uh, Rose Nami Yunus, but uh, Michelle Waterson's always dangerous on the ground and. Um, but I think yeah, she she's a bit small, and I'd lean I'd lean towards Rose in this one. Yeah, should be a very good fight. Though. I'm really looking forward to that one. Um, the main Even event good scrambles is yeah, very good. Yeah, main event then is another one where there could be a lot of good scrambles. Wilson Hayes against Demetrius Johnson. Um, Obviously, Wilson not a lot of Irish people fought Owen Roddy, uh, Cage Warriors. A few, or was it Cage Contender? Cage Warriors. It was Cage Warriors. Cage Warriors. Yeah, yeah a, few, a few years back, a very good fight. So he's it's it's kind of nice. Former Elite for, XC fighter or Elite XC champion as well. Yeah, a dangerous, dangerous guy on the ground. Like he is. I don't think he's any knockout in his career, but he's he has good power in his hand as well, which he and he's the type of guy who will knock someone down or you know do well on the feet and then take him down and submit him. But he, everything he kind of does is to get to the ground. He's unbelievably dangerous there. Just a kind of um, and uh, and a fighter who will just go forward, take five shots to land one type of guy. You know, one of those. And uh, if you can get this fight to the ground against Demetrius Johnson, 
it's going to be very, very dangerous. You know, this is one of the most dangerous fights Demetrius Johnson can get at this weight class because of what Wilson Hayes is at the ground. But having said that, yeah. getting Demetrius Johnson down is going to be tough. Din submitting him is going to be tough because he's unbelievable there as well. And on the feet, Demetrius should have a huge advantage. I'm obviously picking Demetrius. I think he's the best pound for pound fighter in the world by a country mile at this stage. And uh, yeah, I think he should have it. But Ali's on yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I think DJ will win. I think DJ is maybe a bit better on the ground or will will be a bit closer on the ground to uh, Wilson Hayes than people think. I think if he, do, if, if he does get taken down, he'll be able to nullify yeah. and wait for the end of the round or create a sweep and get up. I don't think, I don't think, um, unless he's rocked, which as you say, <clears throat> Wilson Hayes sw- uh, has a lot of power. He swings hard and when he does drop people, he, he jumps straight on chokes. So um, if he could rock Demetrius Johnson, then it could get interesting on the ground. But I'd say Demetrius Johnson would be good enough to defend him off on the ground if, if he does get a takedown early on and i think wilson hayes gets tired in in fights as well and this is a five rounder and demetrius johnson is well used to five rounders so i think uh the later it goes the more dominant it will get for demetrius johnson yeah it's hard to know how this fight's actually gonna gonna finish um you think it's going to be a lot of wilson hayes going forward kind of bullheaded and demetrius going to the left and right picking him off with counters um and uh, and obviously him going for takedowns as well and you know that's probably going to happen for a lot of the fight. I could see it going three or four rounds like that. I could see this maybe even going to a decision with just Demetrius kind of winning every round, kind of picking him off. But there is points in fights when Demetrius Johnson fights where he does get, where he gets so confident that he can up the pace and that he can, you know, he might even take Wilson Hayes down and try to submit him himself. Yeah, that's not beyond the rounds of possibility. Like I know I said how much good Wilson Hayes is on the ground, but I think you alluded there as well. Demetrius Johnson is unbelievably good on the ground as well. We saw what he did against, um, against uh, the Olympic gold medalist who's now Henry Cejudo. Henry you know, Cejudo, yeah. Wrestling gold medalist and Demetrius Johnson. He took Demetrius Johnson down and Demetrius just, you know, shook him off and got back up again. So, you know, Wilson Hayes is going to find it hard to, to keep him down. If Demetrius gets on top, you know, the submission isn't beyond the realms of possibility either. And, you know, I think Demetrius wins this. Uh, I, I don't think he'll be finishing the first two or three rounds but after that i think he could finish it but uh more than likely be a decision but you never know what demetrius yeah, you know i'd say decision but demetrius johnson works to finish he finished haraguchi at one second to go with an armbar in the fifth round so uh if wilson hayes does get as tired as he has in the past uh he'll be a sitting duck for the finish uh, uh and demetrius johnson probably take advantage of it but you got to think wilson hayes this is the biggest fight of his life uh hope you'd hope he'd be in better shape than than usual uh, cardio wise yeah 100 right uh before we get to the questions just a couple of things um that happened this kelvin. week kelvin gaslam suspended what do you, what do you think of that for uh, uh oh, marijuana in the system how, i need to just get rid of the marijuana yeah, thing. How, how stupid can you be like they, yeah, they've raised an intelligence test basically yeah, yeah. They've, they've raised the level so much that even you couldn't fucking fail it and <laughs> 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 that's how much they raised it like and he still failed what the fuck was he doing like i know it's a stupid thing but oh god damn it like man come on <laughs> you know the, the, the rule shouldn't be there i think in nearly everyone agrees i'm surprised that. nobody's gone with the i ate an edible and didn't know it was a it was an edible uh brownie or something something like that like you know you, you people are going with fake fake fucking stories about vials from thailand and dick pills and all this stuff and creams for like all this crap Surprise nobody's pretended when they've when they've been done for marijuana that they ate a marijuana edible and uh, didn't know thought it was a normal cookie. 
Yeah, he'll probably get a year more than likely unless uh, he can prove it. It's it's obviously a potential USADA violation at this stage, so we we don't know yet. But um, yeah, I think is it poor Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva is probably the, the biggest fight of his life is gone. <laughs> They're now um now talking about giving him Luke Rockhold, and I'm like Anderson, do not take that fight, whatever you do. Um, Anderson will take it if he's offered it. Oh, God, I hope he doesn't. He, sh- he shouldn't take it. Like I think Vitor is the is the best choice there. Vitor wants to fight one last time in Brazil. I think he didn't. He said not against a Brazilian, but I don't think he, he likes want to fight Anderson over the, the last time. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Just talk about Rashad Evans. Well, I think Rashad said he'd take the fight. I think that'd be a yeah. Rashad game. and Anderson that should have happened about ten years ago. So make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, your boy uh, Olenek back fighting travis brown Should yeah go that one we'll get ready yeah. for some mad ezekiel choker is brown still with to, to, he left her very end did he i'm not sure i think he was training somewhere else but i don't know if he left him full time i'm not not 100 sure i'll have uh, to i'll have to research that before i make my pick uh but edmund arverdian is uh, he's known for ezekiel choke defense so it should be okay <laughs> impossible is nothing <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly uh um and the new tufton as well i suppose there was a new tough announced this week it's going to be what was it one 115 or 135 women and then and middleweight. middleweight men so uh anyone anyone around europe and or ireland or anything who you think would be a, a good choice to go in that um i haven't really thought about it um ayo daily get him on middleweight <laughs> <Middle-way>. <laughs> he's, he's fattened up in the in the time he's been here. <laughs> he's fought a midway before, hasn't he? Already, maybe at the amateur. Uh, he fought welterweight, I think. Ah, close but, enough. Yeah, uh, if you're gonna fight like f- few times in a, in a few weeks, um, Johnny, uh, G- Johnny Jitchell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's 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 at welterweight these days as well. But yeah, um, okay. if they want a mad character in the house. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Uh, Carl Moore probably can't make 185, and it's probably bad. He'd probably be there over his own accord soon enough, anyway. Yeah, there's no need to go through the, the Ultimate Fighter house. Um, nobody's really coming to mind. There's probably some UK guys and European guys I'm not thinking of. Yeah, yeah, I can't really think of anyone either. So, uh, what about Tommy Queen? He was fighting a welterweight as well, wasn't he? He just lost there, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. or to Chadwick, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there's probably a lot of you know there's probably a lot of guys around but um yeah it should be should be fun anyway i think it's this week or next week the the tj Lillishaw cody garbrand season starting so yeah that should be fun right let's get to the questions as always uh mr podge asks about dc do you think he is concentrating and focusing on john's john jones too much uh around this fight and and going forward um no no I think he's yeah. trying to avoid John Jones. He's trying to get Jimmy Manoa. Yeah, a little bit. I think uh, it's, it's a tough one. Like you kind of have to concentrate on John Jones because he's the guy that beat you, and he's the guy that's going to be coming back soon, and he's the best. And let's be honest, season. he's the real champ. Yeah, he was stripped true. for crashing his car, which is nothing to do with fighting. Yeah, true. Mr. Bodge as well as DC weighs. 1.2 pounds over goes away comes back last 1.2 pounds then aj weighs 1.2 pounds under the limit is that a coincidence i actually think it is this time even though even though uh it does seem very very suspicious but i think the towel push is definitely what they did because that is a known a known way to, to to trick people and uh thinking you made weight so um yeah i don't know i don't know it's just i think it's just a coincidence but 
I'm not sure. Uh, it didn't seem from the video that anybody interfered with the scale uh, after. It was all within a couple of minutes that Daniel Cormier made weight and that uh, Anthony Johnson turned up and made weight. Yeah. Graham McClatchy over on Facebook asks, uh, entertaining grapplers, it's fair to say Cavio is one of them, like uh, Maya, Gunnar Nelson, Lewis Mogg, Ferguson, etc. What, what do you think is the difference between a ground game getting booed and getting cheered like hers? Uh, excitement, not stalling and laying and praying and actually trying to, to advance your position and get submissions is what people like to see. Scrambles as well and um, yeah, just just uh, high-paced grappling. Yeah, I think it's just the silk. You know, I look at Gunnar Nelson, he's silky on the ground. Damien yeah. Wyatt's silky. Uh, there's excitement as well when you have Tony Ferguson and guys like that and, you know, but I think it's her, her silkiness on the ground is, is really exciting. And some people boo Damien Maya still, like, you know, because he does, he stalls a little bit, but he's just so unbelievably good that anyone who knows anything about MMA is just enthralled and loves what he does. So, yeah, I think, like, I think real MMA fans are loved, you know, good grapplers like that. And, like, that excites me more than knockouts, to be honest. I, I, I'd rather that. But, um, yeah, some people, you know, a lot of the people in the crowd, Especially like there in Buffalo, where it's never been before. You know, the majority of people there have probably never, you know, never been to UFC fight before. Probably watched a couple of pay per views, maybe seen like ten or fifteen fights in their lifetime. You know, the McGregor fights or the Tuck Liddell fights or the John Jones fights, and they watched the big ones and went to that because it was in their locality. Like that's just the reality of the situation, more than likely. So yeah, you can't expect them to to be uh, to be great. Um, Nakilde asked an interesting question uh, at Nakilde G-R-U-I-L-D-E-A what is the biggest difference you've noticed if any from being a regular MMA fan to an MMA journalist in terms of commenting on matches and how you view the sport um, hmm. I'm trying to think what it was like before um, yeah, it was definitely like more uh, I had like more favourite fighters and kind of things like that like I was a big Anderson Silva fan and I was a big Aldo fan and um, now I'm kind of just like more, I see it kind of more outside perspective where I'm not kind of, yeah, it's just kind of not as funny about it more, look at it from a different perspective. Well, it's pretty much the same. Yeah, I think, I think you just need to be a little bit more professional in the things you do. Like, I still think you can be fans of people I like. I'm a big fan of Wonderboy, obviously, but I like him because of how he fights. You know, I like Calvillo because of how she fights. You know, it's not that I'm, you know, I'm a fan of him and like never said I, you know, wear her t-shirt and stuff kind of fan. But I just, you know, you kind of appreciate their skill. But, you know, you have to, you can't say like, you can't be accusing people of being in drugs. You can't be like, you know, tweeting Dana yeah. White and the fuck off and things like yeah. that. You know, you like, can't be half watching a fight and then calling a robbery where you're drunk yeah. watching a fight with a few mates and that you're calling a robbery yeah just yeah you just gotta be more professional about things and um more considered and if you if you're gonna make a comment you better make sure you know what you're talking about yeah and i think people like people as well journalists and people covering it they can have their opinions well and they can make jokes and they can do all of that like this uh, well, I hear people are too cookie cutter and just like, oh, that's a great win for Daniel Cormier. That is his second. Wow, impressive. Yeah, yeah like it, it's granted to that often as well. But like, you know, like when I look for people, I like I like the likes of Ben Fox or someone like that who like has a bit of a joke and has inf insightful commentary or like Luke Thomas and stuff like that. Who, you know, there's a lot of guys bullshit when he sees it. Yeah, yeah. Or, or talk a lot of bullshit as well. <laughs> Time, but yeah yeah <laughs> well luke that's, thomas especially 
there's like there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of very very good people covering MMA, and I think you know a journalist is, a, is an odd job because I, I saw someone tweeting about it this morning. Like people are always talking about, oh, that's not very um, you know, that's not very fair to the other fighter or something like that. The way you, the way you say something, like the, the what a journalist is supposed to do is give the story like if if i think anthony johnson like shit the bed or anthony johnson didn't show up for a fight i should say that like i shouldn't say oh it was a bad night for anthony johnson you know he'd be back and you should give your opinion you should people are coming to your twitter feed or listening to this podcast in order Mm -hmm. to get your opinion they don't want you to say oh isn't everything great never criticize anybody just just safe they want they want to hear what you actually think and I think a lot of people are afraid to say what they actually think because because it might be an unpopular opinion and they might be afraid of that or because they might deep down know that they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, that is a lot of it as well. People are just not confident in their in their um, you know in their ability or whatever. Like a lot of people go into it too quickly. You know, they've written two articles and they start calling themselves a journalist. Like yeah. I, st- I, I get st- emails all the time. Yeah. People who can't even spell in the subject uh, of the email. <laughs> trying to journalism like journalist question mark it's like okay like please stop yeah like i still i still don't like calling myself a journalist like i i and like i should at this stage because i've been doing it long enough and i've been fucking doing it kind of professionally long enough you know but like it's just i don't know there's so many people that are just terrible at it as well doing it and haven't have been doing it like they've been watching this for two months and they start doing it and they're kind of you know buying followers and and uh bullshitting their way through and you know getting sacked and getting jobs other places and stuff like that and it's just it's ridiculous like and uh, you know it's it's tough as well for people to to understand like a lot of people don't have as don't really care that much about it and don't don't like put in enough work to find out who the good people are and who the bad people are and that's fair enough like I, I don't do that with like soccer things and I love soccer and other sports as well so you know you have to have a big interest in it I suppose to develop uh, liking and uh, knowledge of who, who are the good people and who are the bad people in the sport but are, like there's a lot of good people like you can't go wrong with like the, all, the, all of us guys severe MMA like there's guys over John King in the UK as well sprawl doing really good things in the MMA fighting guys the MMA junkie guys you know Karim Zidane bloody elbow guys the end Simon, all of those, Patrick Wyman, I think is the best in the game, you know. So there's a lot of good people doing it, but um, yeah, journalism's it's great, it's fun. Don't do it though. Don't ever start it. It's the worst decision I ever made. I'm, I'm, full <laughs> ramp- I'm going full rampage Jackson here now, but yeah, that was a good discussion. Okay, uh, at Nobs Eleven, his nickname or his name is Damian Maya, but I don't think it's real Damian Maya. How many fight? How many more fights does Chris Weidman have to be beaten before he joins the Anthony Pettis club? Um, it's never, never been the same. Yeah, just, just not. I yeah, think I even said it. I even said it before this fight when I picked Musasi. I would have picked Weidman no problem before them two beatings, but I picked Musasi this time because them two beatings you don't come back from, especially in a few months. Come back to fight a few months after the last time you got beaten badly. So um, yeah, Weidman should take a, a long break. I think and. Um, come back and hopefully he can he can come back to what he was but it's uh if if he doesn't take the time to rest and and recover then he could easily fall off a cliff yeah i, I think he went about this fight the right way though by using his wrestling a lot in the in the first round but you saw when he started taking those shots in the second round that did he like 
if that had happened when he fought Anderson Silva, do you think that would have affected him as badly? Like, I don't no. personally. I think in the first round of the Rocco fight, he took some very good punches very well. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, that was one of the worst beatings ever seen in MMA. You know, it was... Yeah, it was terrible. Even her, like, yeah. the fact that it was, that, that her being stopped at Connor for no reason is that in, in the, the round after he should have stopped it just kind of showed that he knew he'd fucked up. Yeah, like, I, I wouldn't mind seeing him wait till the, the November card or even the New Year's card. Like, you know, you get six, seven, eight months there between uh, between these fights. I, like, that isn't that long, and I think it would give him enough time to kind of recover to get back, yeah. back to where he and needs. don't be taking headshots in the gym in the meantime mm-hmm. as well. Just take it easy. Yeah, 100%. Right, let's get few, through more, another few of these before we finish up. Uh, at the soup, like Gieran Zeppelin, who's a better cheat, Carmier with the towel or Yol Romero with the ice bucket and stool? <laughs> um, well, y'all, y'all's team seem to be the one who do all the stuff to him. They pour like water all over his back and ice in the corner and leave him on the stool and stuff. Um, Daniel Cormier kind of did it of his own accord, but uh, there's been more cheating out of Yo Romero throughout the years that we know about anyway. I think Cormier's was much, much worse. I, um, I think it was more Yo Romero's corner than Yo Romero himself. And uh, John McCarthy also came in with the towel trying to get him to, to dry it off and stuff, so that made it worse as well. So that was happened a few times with Romero, though. Yeah, I like her at Yolan Meridan, it was against Tim Kennedy as well, so that made me happy. Yeah, oh, no, <laughs> unbiased journalist, though. Sorry, that was such a screw job uh, against Tim Kennedy. Had that fight won, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Marcus Connolly at Marcus T. Connolly, apart from soccer, is MMA the sport that suffers the most from contentious refereeing decisions? I'd say no, not by a far. Uh, ever watch a GA match? GA referees are the fucking worst I've ever seen ever. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah, they're so bad. It's meant to be you're meant to have three steps and people just take Four. like seventeen and it's grand. <laughs> and then the odd time they call it for no reason. Refereeing is bad in general. Even even in golf, the odd time they bring in bring in the ref usually is a bit of a shit show. Yeah. Um yeah, MMA reference pretty bad. Uh or well when it goes wrong, the result is pretty bad. Um you can kind of gloss over a lot of things in in soccer and GAA and hurling or if, it's, if he gives the wrong decision on a throw-in or a corner or something it doesn't really matter butterfly most of the time. what are you talking about what butterfly effect everything matters no i know but it doesn't matter in comparison yeah, to know, know. how much it matters when you fucking say it's an illegal knee when it's legal you know it's it's not as bad so it doesn't stand out as much but they make more mistakes i think in GAA football hurling all that and american football even because they're just constantly making mistakes yeah, I agree. Uh, Diamant Diamant MMA asks, "Do you think Mano has been underrated? He banged out OSP and JBJ. Who's JBJ? Uh, Depends, uh, he definitely John Brown didn't though. Yeah, Corey Anderson. He Corey means. Anderson, um, yeah, I, I, I picked him to beat Corey Anderson, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I I rate him pretty pretty highly. I just don't rate him on the same level as John Jones and Daniel Cormier, and obviously Rumble Johnson already beat him. So, yeah." Andy Hall asks an interesting question at Bootnik Andy. Who would be more beneficial, Dana White to Bellator or Coker to the UFC? Dana White to Bellator. Yeah, 100%, I think. Um, let's let's get in one or two more. Uh, if you had one fight in the UFC, a guaranteed win against the current champion and against who? A knockout, a choke or a knockout? What does that even mean? Uh, oh, yeah. If you were to pick someone to fight a current champion... And you guaranteed they'd win by either submission or knockout. Who would you pick to beat? Who? Jack Regan's Bisping? Demi and Maya against somebody, against a lot of people. <laughs> no, but against, he'd have to fight the champion. Against Woodley. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I'm confused by the question here. Um, 
I think Bisping is the most obvious one. I think Romero beats Bisping. But that's a tough question. Like, I think most of the champions are going to be hard to finish, apart from Bisping and all the way. It's, you know? But, um, yeah. Yeah. There you go. Last one, so from Farrell Connolly. Easter's almost here. What are your favorite Easter eggs? Hmm. Um, I definitely prefer Cadbury's to Nestle anyway, eggs. But, uh, you'd, uh, like, a nice Thornton's egg or, or something like that would be even better. I'm a cream egg man now. I like a bit of a cream egg myself. Give us one of them. I don't. Even, I don't know what they are. I, I actually I prefer like the caramel egg. cream egg things to the actual cream eggs. They're you're better. A, you're, a, you're a horrible person. I don't like you. Cream uh, eggs overrated. Even though I eat loads of them if they're here right now. Yeah, me. I wouldn't know because I'm. I'm fucking too healthy for that. Yeah, wouldn't be in that rubbish. But yeah, that's it. Another good week in the books. Thanks to everyone for listening. Hey, Graham, anything to why oh yeah, watch our uh, go to severe uh, what's it called? Severe youtube.com forward slash severe art and watch all our videos from uh, over there. Andy Gone was over there, did a great job. Uh the severe uh snippet will be up there as well. Probably wins there Thursday. Uh shout out to Podrick Foreign for that. Uh PT is an article up with Norman Park. Uh give a read of that on the website severemail.com. Niall and PT will be back with talking brawls this week. I'll have my preview out for the unbelievable fox card, probably wins there Thursday. All that good stuff. Very good. Graham, good week. How how how's everything going before we sign off? Hi, it was good. Uh Joe McCoggan got announced for a fight. Um mm-hmm. a Cage Warriors in Wales, eighty Cage Warriors eighty three against Richard Williams. Um we talked about France last week, didn't we? We did, yeah. Uh, Peter Queeley is a fight coming up as well, and Brian Moore's fighting in Bellator pretty oh, yeah, soon yeah. as well, isn't he? So yeah, we'll we'll talk about them uh, when they when they get closer as well. But yeah, a lot of an exciting time now for Irish MMA. Artem Lobov is going to be fighting in what is it two or three weeks again? So we'll probably talk about it either next yeah. week or the week after. So main event yeah. in his first UFC, indeed. Yeah, against uh, your boy Cubby. So that should be fun. Yeah, Kevin Swanson, Ian series best friend, golf partner, Cub Swanson. I hear now, Cubby. What, what about your man? Um, Gillespie there who said he was the best fisherman in, in the OC. Gillespie, ooh, yeah. Carl Moore, or Carl Roach, sorry, and uh, Neil Thierry. not be happy. Carl, Carl Roach, though, he's a, he's a current fighter. I suppose he's not in the UFC, but he'd probably be angry on Neil's Neil's behalf. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Justice for Syria. <laughs> that's dirty work. Yeah. <laughs> right. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Another week in the books. And we leave you on this. Don't think outside the box. Think like there is no box. See you next Tuesday.